Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Moss, the official podcast of Somos Moss NM and your source for latest news and notes on New Mexico United. My name, of course, is Seth Bidoff. Joining me tonight, uh, special guest Harry Austin at Ramacall over on Twitter and Reddit. Harry, thank you for joining. Uh, we were kind of t- tweeting or DMing back and forth yesterday, and you offered to come on the show. And uh, we had there's a lot of action going on in the Mountain Division last night. And so, I'll, you know, I'll actually open this one up to you to start off. Where do you want to start tonight? You want to start uh, with San Antonio or uh, want to start with New us? New Mexico. So we'll, we'll start with uh, New Mexico's uh, performance. Um, interested to hear your thoughts on a 2-2 draw. So Yeah, well, that was an interesting performance, to say the least. New Mexico United, of course, did pick up a 2-2 draw to Hartford Athletic, our next-to-last out-of-division opponent for the season. Going into it, this was a match we all thought we were going to win. Mm-hmm. You I guys think, predicted 2-1, 3-1, something along those lines, yes. Yeah, I think Jacob had uh, 3-1, 4-0, something like that. I had 3-1. And obviously, I think that's a fair I, – I thought I thought that was pretty fair given the the form of Hartford, especially over the past two months. They had won 8 of 10 – I'm sorry, they had lost 8 of 10 coming in. And they had not been playing well. And I feel like we came out of the gate playing really well. We had a lot mm-hmm. of energy. We looked good early on. We got the goal. I mean, that was an interesting goal, to, to say the least. And from my vantage point up in the press box, it, and initially it didn't look like it went in. And then the referee signaled goal, and of course, and I saw a replay later, and I didn't realize this. We actually had a, a mobile camera on the far on the on the outfield side of the grass, and so they ran down, and it, from that angle, it did look like it went over the line. And so, what an interesting shot, to say the least, an interesting uh, take right there, and you know, kind of fortunate that United got the call. I think if it had gone the other way, I don't think you could have argued with it, but, and for the most part, I feel like we played well in that first half. And then we are unfortunate to get, to get the handball call. Obviously Austin's arm was in an unnatural position. And that changed the game. Yeah, it absolutely did. You know, you can't blame Austin for anything. He didn't, he didn't, you know, blatantly stick out his arm. He wasn't trying to bat it down. You know, if you watch the replay, he went in, he he went up in the air to try to defend the cro- the free kick that came in. And as he's come down, his arm went up and the ball headed off, headed off of his arm and referee correctly awarded a penalty. No card was shown, which was, which I think was correct. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't deliberate. He wasn't attempting to handle the ball, but you know, hey, arm obviously unlucky play. Unlucky. That's what it is. And then uh, on, on the take, Alex went the right way. Uh, just didn't get to it. And so, you know, Hartford leveled it up right there, stoppage time. And, and I think that, yeah, like you said, that's where it changed. Like it really did. Like, and I won't say that we switched off or anything at that point. Like what we, what we typically see from United, mm-hmm. but I will say after the break, we were definitely switched off. At the start of the half. At the start half. of the half. Yeah. 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 And you, you did the San Antonio where you came out a little bit flat for about five, 10 minutes and unfortunately paid for it. Yeah, and that's been one of the problems we've had all season long. Well, really, in our entire history, there's always that period of time either at the – and it typically either happens at the beginning of the half of the first half or the beginning of the second half. And Troy even talked about it in the presser last night. And it's just unfortunate. You know, We gave up a bad, bad foul in a, in a dangerous position there at the start of the second half. Hartford, of course, converted – I thought it was a pretty good take, good, really great header, really well placed. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we necessarily did anything wrong as far as coverage there. 
Uh, it was just a really well-placed kick. And I think we responded well, which is something we don't do often. We don't play well from behind. And to pick up the goal at the other end, I thought was great. I thought when I when I first watched it live, I didn't realize that ball had taken a deflection uh, off of Austin's kick. But, yeah, it took a deflection and just happened to, to dip to where only Dev could get to it. And so I just, man, it, it was really tough to watch, especially from the perspective of this is a team we should beat. We should have walked away with three points last night. Well, we didn't, and that's unfortunate. I will say Hartford has underperformed this year. Like, they peaked early, um, Mm -hmm. and they've struggled down the stretch. So I think they're a decent team, but they've just, unfortunately, they just don't have that consistency. And, you know, as we've seen in this league, uh, Anybody can beat anybody on any given night. Um, you know, the, you know, outside of maybe Phoenix and Tampa and Louisville, and even what Phoenix lost, what, 3 0 to a Galaxy, what, last week or a week and a half mm-hmm. ago? Yeah. So it's, it's the thing that strikes me is New Mexico is in a, I don't want to say a must win, but you're close to must wins. And you needed this. You needed this game, um, and you know, out of division, you know, you got you know, if if New Mexico doesn't make the playoffs, it's it's going to be because of their record out of division. It's it's as plain as that. Yeah, you and I were just talking about that you know, before we came on air, and you're absolutely right. We have underperformed out of division. I will say that we've had some of the more interesting matchups. I think going up against Lou City, Charleston, you know, both of whom are contenders, you know, mm-hmm. almost on an annual basis. Lou City, obviously one of the best teams in the league since their inception. And we've got San Diego coming up, you know, the, uh, next weekend. Another team that I think we're going to, we'll be lucky if we get a point out of that. But yeah, we've underperformed. And I, it's hard to, you know, I, it's hard to pinpoint what exactly it is. You know, I was texting with Jacob and, and Earl ahead of, or during the, during the, uh, during the Lou city match. And even over on the red, I was like, maybe it's that whole East coast, West coast thing. You know, teams go East and they lose sleep and all like, but I, who knows? I mean, that's just an excuse out there, but yeah, we, we've, our form has been so up and down. The two that's going to hurt you is Tacoma mm-hmm. and louder and at home. That's the the louder at home is 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 the killer, and you hate going back because I believe there was what a bad column that game that went against. Yeah, uh, Austin, New, New Mexico. Yeah. Um, but still, you know, at the lab, losing losing to Loudon is is a uh, you know to to me that's that's that raised the yellow flag you know for. Um, you know, for New Mexico and, and, you know, that was earlier in the year they've had time, but yeah, the out of conference schedule for New Mexico, San Diego, I thought Hartford was a playoff team. Um, Roots have came on. Um, Charleston's historically tough. You guys played rising Um, loose city, as you mentioned, um, compared to some others like, you know, switchbacks have played sporting Kansas city Two, Loudoun, 
Um, Memphis, which is coming on, but when they played him, it wasn't as good. Tacoma. So that's going to be the the interesting wild card in, in this playoff is how the inner conference or outer conference actually affects the mountain. Cause um, everybody else only has four matches um, where the mountain, because they're a team short has eight matches. So that's it's, it's, you know, 24 points of everybody's season is going to be decided by somebody outside of the division compared to 12. And don't get me wrong. I love the outer division stuff. I, I I really hope that this continues going forward, even if we get back to the normal just West Com- Western Conference, Eastern Conference next season. I want to see Correct. interconference matchups. I want to see that. I think it's fantastic for the for the USL, and because you know, last season I, we got so burnt out mm-hmm. seeing the same teams over and over again, and even this year it's it's kind of frustrating. But at least they've been spaced out a little bit more. Obviously, with the thirty two game schedule. But I would love to see, you know, New Mexico United go to Atlanta, go to Tampa, go to go to New York. I would love to see those matchups. I really love to see some of those clubs come out here. And mm-hmm. I just I want to see that continue. And I hope the USL is watching these because I would be willing to bet that some of these matchups that we've seen, especially I think it was like what Phoenix, Tampa, mm-hmm. like I, I don't I wonder I'm curious what the numbers were on that in terms of viewership. I, I would be willing to bet that was probably the highest watched USL match this year. I know we got reports though at San Antonio, New Mexico, when it was on the big ESPN channels mm-hmm. was over fifty thousand, which MLS gets around a hundred, hundred and fifty thousand. Um, so for USL to get over 50 to where it was recognized, I think says something. And, and like I said, yeah, I think Phoenix and Tampa probably would, would have, would have eclipsed that. Um, but you gotta have, you gotta have good matchups, um, you know, you know, on there, on there to do that. And obviously, you know, if, you know, if, and when New Mexico, uh, gets their stadium, you know, I can, you know, just like Colorado Springs, you know, they had what, two or three matches that were on. Uh, you know, big ESPN uh, channels here. And, and, you know, it brings, you know, it, it, it brings a So, all right. So back, so uh, back to your point, I know you got it cut off a little bit there. We were talking about the San Antonio, New Mexico United match compared yeah, to it drew 50,000 or over 50,000. So you figure rising in Tampa probably did, just with the markets that they're in, with the name brands that they carried, probably did more than that, I would estimate. Yeah, it, I wish, again, it comes back to the whole new transparency thing. I would love to see the numbers. And I really think, again, I, I would love to see this go forward. You know, maybe maybe get the the conference champions, you know, to play each other to open the season, kind of like uh, you know, the NFL has a, the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. game or whatever. Get them to kick the season off. I think that would be a fantastic thing to do every year. That would be that would be interesting, um, but moving back to uh, the Hartford match here. So you know, looking at the stats, you know, you know, I know you guys had twelve shots, four more on target. You know, uh, Hartford had thirteen and two on target here. Um, I thought New Mexico controlled the game, just, and I wouldn't even say they struggled putting putting the ball in into the net because I think they had quality shots. It just 
they they couldn't they couldn't bring it home you know for whatever reason it just did you know the ball didn't bounce their way i guess yeah that's something that troy has talked about as well throughout the season you know got to get a little bit lucky at times and you know we we had opportunities going forward and obviously we don't have amando moreno uh for because he's uh, on international duty right now but i felt like we had some chances and we just didn't convert and once we brought Christian Nava on, I think that kind of re-energized things again. And you could see us going forward even a little bit more. And I was down uh, at field level at that time. And that's not something I usually do, but you know, I'm going, guys, get, just get forward. Like go forward and just put some shots in, put some attempts in, create something and get it going. And it, it's hard to it's hard to really say what has to fall our way for us to start converting these, you know, these draws into wins. And I will say though, over the past two matches, one thing that has really been an issue has been the lack of involvement of, of bees of Chris. Wehan. I mean, he had, I think he had a total of 40 something touches on Wednesday night, which to me is nowhere near enough. And there were times where he was dropping all the way back to our, you know, our defensive third to try to get involved in the play. He doesn't struggle against San Antonio. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know this Weeham that you're talking about. <laughs> uh, but no. Uh, so so the question has to be asked: Did did you know, because Nava came on in the 81st minute, was that too late? They I got, think so. You got because you know, you guys actually came back what the 55th minute uh, was the goal by Sandoval. Yeah. Um, after they scored the, their second goal in the 48th, so you know, 25 minutes, 26 minutes later, um, they brought him on late and, and they subbed out Bruce, um, which is a quality player. Um, but, you know, you mentioned Nava brought uh, something that Bruce didn't. See, I don't think it's that he brought something that Daniel Bruce didn't. And I understand the sub of bringing him on for Brucey. You know, Brucey mm-hmm. has been giving 110%. The I don't past. mean that in a bad way. Just... Oh, yeah. No. You know, but I think at that point, you know, you make that sub there to get Brucey off because you know you've got another match coming up on Saturday. And Christian Nava, like, I would have loved to see him come, come on earlier maybe for maybe for bees earlier because again two matches in a row he, he's been struggling to get involved and it's not just him it's their their team around him get, not getting him as involved and so honestly we were t- up at the press box last night like, i would have loved this thing christian nama start mm-hmm. like because if you watch him play in just that 10 minutes that he was on the pitch he was confident he was decisive and the players around him were looking to get him the ball. And that's something that I think we need in our 11, at at least at some point, you know, either this season or at the very beginning of next season, like we've got to get him out there and get him experience and get him involved because he's a dynamic player. Any, any final thoughts on on the Hartford match as far as, um, you know, I think we both think it's kind of a missed opportunity on picking up, you know, the three points because uh, it was at home. 
Um, I could see being on the road in Hartford, hey, walking away with a 2-2 draw, you know, that's a little bit more understanding, but being at home at the lab, um, I think it was what, 8,000, 8,500, I think is what I saw uh, the attendance was. I think it was 6,500, 6, somewhere in that neighborhood. Oh, 6,500, yeah. Yeah. Um, Still midweek, not bad. It was good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Was, crowd was great. You know, like I said here, you know, it came through the TV fairly well. Um, just uh, New Mexico reminds me of San Antonio on the last year of Darren Powell, where you look at the roster. And you look at the results, and there's something that's missing. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I'm you know, I'm not here to say what it is or what it isn't is because I don't watch New Mexico as close as you do. But to me, it feels a whole lot like San Antonio in 2019, where the results didn't equal what the roster was. And you know, we still you know. Later, we found out maybe the locker room had some issues. The coach kind of didn't have total control. So, there, you know, there's a lot of little things that kind of added up. But to me, this kind of feels a little bit like that because when you look at the roster that, that New Mexico puts out there, you would expect them to have a better record than what they have. I don't think it's a locker room issue. From... Oh, I'm not saying it's not. Oh, I'm just no, no, no. for yeah. San, San Antonio – you know, kind of with with some of the people that I've talked to that were in the locker room and stuff, it, it wasn't a huge locker room issue, but there was enough there to where, you know, where where I think it did have probably an impact bigger than what you know. Now that you're you know stepped back from it, mm-hmm. where you can probably say, hey, yeah, it impacted a little bit more than what 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 you thought. Yeah, no, I get that, and obviously, like you said you're not saying it as a locker room issue, and right. you know, from the conversations we've had, that doesn't seem to be it. You know, we Troy was very big on bees instantly when they came back. And one of the things that he mentioned, and we've talked about it before, is that bees knows the system. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe we recruited the wrong guys in the in the offseason. I, I don't think Brian Brown's a good is end up being a good fit for us. <laughs> that I was don't, a disaster from the start. Yeah, I mean, it there were we were hopeful in the preseason. And it looked like there were opportunities for that to happen, but he just, he never clicked. I mean, he was the last guy in the camp, never really clicked. And then from his, after his exit, it was one of those things where it was like, okay, yeah, it it just wasn't clicking. Okay. Now we know, we understand what the issue is. And so I think he really didn't like fit into, into what we wanted. And so by going out and bringing back bees and silly, I think we never, we never should let them go. Right. And I get why we did. I get that. You know, they had the opportunity to go play for their hometown teams. And the club was willing to support them in that. And we also were, and I love Amondo and I love Dev as a person, but mm-hmm. Dev is not the player he was. We've lacked a, a forward presence a lot of times. And Amondo can only do so much. He's not a, a hold-up play guy. Dev can do that. But even then, like his touches have been suspect. And so a forward presence, what we needed, Ilya Illich has not fit the, fit what we needed it either. No, not at all. You know, the, the Serbian sniper, you know, he's seen, I want to say less than a thousand minutes, probably less than 500 minutes for the team this year. I'd have to go and, and look that up to, to know for sure. But it's, yeah, it, it's something, something's missed all season long. And I, th- I think it's got, it got better with our, with our mid season signings, but 518 and, minutes. So you're not okay. even close. Yeah. 518 Eight, minutes. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's at 18 18 matches played, four starts. 
See, and, and it's it's really hard to, to to say yes. That's how much he's played because I don't even remember seeing him that much. And it's one. It's just a weird thing, you know, to, to see that. And but in terms of the Hartford match, I guess you know the, the my last thought on that would be. I, I feel sorry for the Hartford keeper. That injury he took in the 65th, that was rough. That was such a tough injury for him. I'm glad he was able to come back. And you know, and I hate to, you know, I hate to say there was no. You know, we see it a lot. You know, the home team gets the referee advantage. There was no home field ref advantage last night. There were times where United would have gotten yellow cards for time wasting <laughs> significantly faster than the zero time wasting yellows we saw from Hartford. But you know, I, I hope all the I hope all the Hartford players are okay after their injuries last night. So, <laughs> well, we've both uh, been on the. Uh both sides of that subject so i would just keep my mouth uh quiet <laughs> so we are on a new mexico uh, podcast <laughs> ah. so, you know we won't censor uh, you uh yeah where's, where's just, that it's, button it's it's an art of the game we'll, we'll just say uh you know for that here yeah so, so other matches from last night um before we get into el paso and san antonio the other big one, the Bold, um, knocked off Tacoma 1-0, which was a result that you guys did not need because uh, mm-hmm. that moves the Bold uh, back up ahead of you guys. And I believe they still have games in hand as well. Yeah, they've got one in hand still. Um, the Bold's the team that you just you don't know how they're how they're doing it. But um, they're at 39 points. Yeah, you're at 38. New Mexico United's at 38. And RGV's at 37. So for that four spot here, it's a three-legged uh, race here. Um, I think with that tie there and Austin's win, Austin actually controls um, their path to, um, you know, for the fourth slot compared to prior to that match, uh, New Mexico, uh, I believe, controlled their own path for that here. So um the other match in the mountain the reason why i asked to come on because there was three matches uh on there was the el paso san antonio match uh it started out great for san antonio a goal in the 10th minute a goal in the 27th minute um and then at half you know we moved out uh jasser camary axel schoberg came in um 56th minute we moved out dylan for cam lindy and then all of a sudden we stopped pressing and El Paso did what El Paso does. When, when, when you take your foot off the pedal, they came back and scored the next three. And uh, San Antonio got a goal in, in the 90 plus four uh, by Courtney Ford to walk away with a 3-3 tie. Um, I think it's a match. It's one of those matches that both teams felt that they should have won. Both teams felt that they should have lost. So a 3-3 draw is probably a pretty fair result. Um, being up 2-0 and then taking the wheels off. Um, and, you know, one of my questions, you know, if if I was part of the press, you know, Coach Marcina, you know, mentioned that, you know, um, in the second half we stopped pressuring them. I'm like, you know, so my question to him is why did we stop pressuring them? Right. Because, um, you know, when, when you don't pressure, you know, pass on, and, you know, they are a team that loves to control the ball. I think, you know, uh, 
we're, we're ones where we'll sit back and counter, but against a quality team like New Mexico, against a quality team like El Paso, you can only take so much pressure before they're going to find, you know, find some cracks in, in the defense. It's just going to happen. And, um, you know, it was an entertaining game to watch, um, especially probably if you were a neutral. I uh, went back and forth. Uh, El Paso did win the Copa Tejas. I know, uh, which, you know, for the, for those in New Mexico, basically, the four uh, Texas, four USL Texas team have kind of a round robin. El Paso won that, you know, uh, basically they've claimed the slate this year. So uh, it was an interesting match. Um, you know, with the tie, we do move into second place t- tied with Colorado, but we have the tiebreaker over Colorado. So that puts us in the second position. Um, El Paso, it hurts them a little bit on clinching the number one seed in the West, but I think after what next week, I think uh, they can they can clinch a playoff spot. Um, and I think our our for San Antonio, it's nine points uh, to clinch. So for San Antonio, it's a mixed bag. I'm assuming you know if you talk with seriously Loco, they'll probably say it's a mixed bag as well. Uh, but your thoughts as a neutral on that one? Yeah, I actually went back and watched some of this match today, and looking at it, I mean, you guys came out really well. And you know, one of the one of my favorite sayings in football is that the most dangerous lead is two nil. And I, you know, honestly, you know, I was out at the stadium last night. I didn't get to watch. I was, I was following the scores up until about the thirty minute mark, and I said, okay, San Antonio is up two nil. I mean sounds like they're doing pretty well from, from what I'd seen on social media. And then the second half. Yeah. just And I couldn't figure out what happened initially. And so, you know, looking at it, what did, what did you see that was different other than the press that seemed that just disappeared at, at, in the second half? That was it. It is, you know, Jasser came out for Doyle, which, Doyle's tall, he's lanky, but he doesn't have that that quick burst that Jasser has, um, the center back here. But to me, what, what really hurt is when he pulled out Dylan, who was the second forward up, up top that had a goal and assist and brought in Cameron Lindy, that told you that they got more defensive. And as soon as they got more defensive, you know, they, they just set back and try to absorb the pressure and um they paid for it you know just you know and, and kind of like what happened in, in the in the new mexico match there were some lucky bounces that you know i think that also played a part into it but once that momentum gets going you know, and you guys have experienced this you know you know at the lab you know what once once the home team and the crowd gets behind it you know the you know el paso got an extra wind and in san antonio it seemed like you know you know, they were half a step slower from, you know, from where the, you know, where the work is, what was it? Southwest university park was that first half was probably the quietest that I've ever heard it. Um, but you know, once, once they broke that, that goal and, and you could just feel the momentum shift and, um, there was a goal before, or there was an attempt, um, before, uh, Luna, Diego Luna's goal in the 85th minute, that would have been a goal of the week candidate. Uh, I forget who took it here. Um, uh, Rebellion number 25. He had a shot probably around the 78th minute that had Cardoni beat, you know, but it bounced off the crossbar and, you know, and, and, and bounced out. But 
the momentum you you know you know you've seen this at the lab once once that momentum shifts especially for an away team it's it's hard to get it back and I will say for you know for SAFC they showed a lot of uh, grit to be able to come back and, and tie it up uh, and, and like I said here thankfully for uh, SA you know San Antonio social media because it's it's still a little bit rough you know just you know you know when you're up 2-0 and then to go give up the next three you know it's you know, and and that's not the first time that that's happened this year. Um, it was there, there, you know, and you could, to me, I was, I was all blaming Marcina on this one because you could tell, you know, when he flipped the switch to, to go more conservative, it was just too soon. It, you know, it's, you know, I could see it maybe in the 70th, you know, 80th minute, somewhere around there, but you know, not even at the 60th minute, the 55th minute, that was just way too early to back up, you know, to, uh, to park the bus or, you know, change the tactics at that point. Yeah, El Paso is one of those clubs where they just never seem to be out of any match that they're that they're in. And their form at home especially has been outstanding over the past two seasons. 22 in a row. You guys are the last ones to uh, beat them what, last July-ish, I think. I think so, yeah. Sounds they've, about right. And they've only lost the year before they lost to us, but outside, uh, outside of that, I think July, August, somewhere around there, they've lost twice. You know, once to you guys, once to us, and outside of that, they've been a you know they're on a twenty-two game, um, uh, not you know what, what point streak at home, so best in North America right now. So yeah, there's just something I don't know if it's in the water down there or what, but and I and I hate to do this, I know Jerry might be watching, but El Paso is a talented club. Very they talented. really are, and I think anytime you can go. Anytime you face them, especially at Southwest University, if you can pick up points down there, that, that's got to be a win in, in, in yes. anyone's book. Now, to lose, I mean, we've done it. You know, we've dropped points to them from a winning position. You know, we've, and, and you guys have as well. Mm-hmm. It's tough. Like, it's just, it's a, it's a tough environment. The fans are, are super into it. The, the players definitely feed off that, mm-hmm. off of that. And, you know, when you have guys like Diego Luna and, Dylan Mares, who can basically turn a game on its head, you know, it's hard to account for all those different pieces. So to me, and, and you know, think if Solinag had signed with you guys as opposed to El Paso, because I think, you know, and he didn't start this, but I think that's the type of player that New Mexico needed. And, and I've talked to you about this before is um, for New Mexico, they, they, like El Paso the last couple of years, the missing piece was the, the attacking portion because the defense they had. And I think that's the case with New Mexico um, is they need to find a Soli nag or, you know, um, you know, you know, get lucky with, you know, Diego Luna, you know, coming in and, you know, being a great young player. And um, it'll be interesting to see if he comes back next year um, for that here, or if he goes over to Europe. Um, as well, I, I think we're already predicting, you know, Jose Gallegos to, uh, you know, be going over to Europe. So, you know, it's awesome to see uh, for here. And, and I know with the New Mexico Academy, they're starting to, you know, starting to build that up. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if you can hit on a young player like they have and, and like we have with uh, um, with um, Jose Gallegos uh, to kind of give that extra spark that, that, that you need. 
How would you rate Matt Cardoni on the season? I know he's always been a fairly, a pretty solid keeper. <laughs> um, looking at the replays from last night, it looked like he got a hand to at least the first two. And just, you know, like he said, unlucky bounces. Just looking at his, his performance last night and you know, across the season, how would you rate him this year? He is an, he is probably an above average goalkeeper for USL, but he's not elite, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So he'll keep you in games, but in my opinion, he's not a goalkeeper that will win you games. Um, you know, like Tyler Derrick, for, you know, for RGV early in the year, you know, you know, has done that. And um, Kettler with uh, uh, with El Paso's, you know, carried them a couple of times. Um, I think you had a goalkeeper last year, um, went to New York. Uh, Cody Mizell. Yeah. Cody Mizell, you know, that, that elite level, you know, Matt's good. And like I said here, he's a local kid, San Antonio, from high school to his college, you know, to played with the, you know, SA Scorpions back in the NASL, the championship year. Um, been with them, I think, the last original, um, you know, San Antonio FC player. But, you know, it's – and I don't mean this as a disrespect, but if you look at San Antonio's roster on how it's built, it's got MLS experience everywhere with the exception of goalkeeper. And, and like I said here, Matt's good, and I understand why he's there, but, you know, it, is, is he an elite goalkeeper that, that will – that will win a game for you. He won't cost you a game, but he won't, you know, will he, you know, will he win it for you is the question. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Make, makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I think by comparison, you mentioned Cody Mizell and I honestly think ob- objectively Alex Tambakis is better. Uh, just in his decision-making his distribution. I think he's objectively better. Now I, he, there have been moments this year that, and you know, we've seen it, you've seen it in, in both of our team's matches where there's just nothing you can do. Yeah. You know, there's just nothing you can do about it. And, you know, we try to try to explain his decision making at times because people don't understand. Like I've seen people say, you know, that they want him out. They want, you know, Phil, Philip Beigel in there. And I love Phil. Phil's a great guy. He's, he's talented. You know, his one appearance this year, he allowed three goals, you know, and you look at what, Alex has done. You look at what Cardone has done Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, it's, you've got guys who can put in quality appearances and give your team a chance to win. And we got Emma over in the chat. Amen. Tamblockus is what I call him. He's the man. Yeah. No, Alex has definitely kept us in a few games this year. And, you know, Cardone has done the same for you guys, which I think is, you know, is fantastic. And, you know, I, I have to give him a lot of credit and, but when you know when you when you face teams like Phoenix, like San Antonio, like Colorado Springs this year, with the attacking talent that these clubs have, you know, lose city for us, and it's hard to to take care of all those. And, mm-hmm. and, and obviously, random stuff is going to happen. You know, things happen. You know, deflections. There's nothing that you can do about that. But you know, if you have a, an above average keeper USL level, you're going to have a chance to to win the majority of your matches. Correct. And he does, to me, he doesn't cost you games. And and that's, you know, you know, it's, it's one of those things to where, you know, like, you know, Cardone's what tied for third um, in saves at 82. 
mm-hmm. you know, uh, number one is Alex Rando with the lights at 102 and, and Caldwell, who you guys faced last, uh, uh last night, uh, for Hartford is, you know, second at 97. So it's not healthy that you're facing that many shots, but you know, Connor Sparrow and, and him's tied at, you know, at 82, you know, at 82 saves, uh, Tambacus is at, you know, 71, um, right there. Now, when you go to clean sheets, you know, Tambacus has seven, um, you know, Logan Kettler has seven, um, Cardoni's got six. So they're all there, you know, Tampa Bay, you know, leads the league, you know, uh, with the Evan Laro at 13 clean sheets and, but that's because they've got that total package. And then, Second, surprisingly, is uh, Elliot uh, Pantico uh, from the Bold, and it's because it's the type of system they run. But he's a MLS quality goalkeeper, you know, on loan from Nashville, and um, you know, I think he's a huge reason on why uh, the Bold are in the position that they are, is because you know, number one, he doesn't make mistakes. Number two, um, you know, the defense in, in front of him, and, and he sets them up in a in a very good position. Yeah, that's something that I think we've seen more of this season is you've seen from the premier clubs, you know, from from San Antonio, Phoenix, Charlotte, they have a good defensive core. Mm -hmm. Whatever system they run, you know, we obviously run three at the back. Other clubs run four. Like, you know, we saw Austin run, you know, five at the back. Yeah. And, you know, while while I'm not a fan of parking the bus by any stretch of the imagination – if it's working, why, why go against it? You know, why change what works? And, you know, you see more keepers coming in now, you uh, Panico coming in, you know, MLS loan guys who have experience mm-hmm. and can take charge of the backfield and really like direct where things go. And so we've, I think we've, I'd have to go back and look. I don't know what the record is for, for clean sheets in a season, but there have been a lot this year. And it's a lot of fun to watch, you know, especially if you love low scoring football. As long as it's quality, you know, yeah. you know, where there are quality chances, but if it's, you know, you know, zero, zero games where neither team's able, you know, like the real Monarchs Red Bulls two game where it was just two poor teams. I was like, yeah, I wouldn't wish that. Anybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we had a similar match. You know, went against Austin earlier in the season. You know, they played five. I think it was they, they played five four one or some nonsense. You know, and they just they sat ten people behind the ball the entire match, and it worked. But it's not fun. It's not entertaining. But that's football. So looking forward. So tomorrow, Bobby Wood and uh, Real Monarchs uh, face uh, Colorado Springs. Thoughts on Bobby Wood playing USL Championship? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I saw the tweet from Nicholas uh, Nicholas Murray earlier. That was a that's a sneaky little move there by RSL putting Bobby Wood down with the Monarchs. Yeah, nobody covered it until <laughs> until hey, oh hey, he's going to be in here. And then, I don't know if you saw the promo uh, by uh, the Monarchs, but he's listed in the picture. So interesting. And, and, and the reason why you know he's down is you know he got injured. The, you know you know, it's, it's a rehabilitation start, you know, to get him some minutes and, um, at, you know, as, as a SAFC fan battling Colorado, um, yay. Uh, I don't know if it'll make <laughs> much of a difference because the Monarchs are a very poor team right now. Yeah. Um, you know, so you don't know, and I'm assuming he's going to be 45 minutes, 60 minutes, something along those lines. So, you know, I doubt he plays the full game, but 
still interesting, you know, especially, you know, you know, Bobby Wood, you know, U.S. men's national team player and his rich history. So, yeah, that was definitely an interesting move. And I think it's, I don't want to say that Monarchs are going to win that match, but Bobby Wood is a guy that can come on, you know, like you said, probably he's not going to play a full match coming off an injury. He's likely, you know, probably 30 to 60 minutes somewhere in there. You know, I could see him coming on the 60th and just, you know, seeing out the match and, and going from there. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, Monarchs are, are poor at the back. The, you've got Colorado Springs, you know, obviously Barry, you know, you've got uh, Beckford. Uh, so they're going to be flying. I know, you know, obviously you said they're, you know, you're still fighting with them for, for second place. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a fun watch. I might actually you know, sit down and watch that one tomorrow night just to see, you know, does Bobby Wood have an impact and what is the, what, what's Colorado going to do? It'll be you still got a weak defense, but uh, I will say uh, the Real Monarchs goalkeepers, even though they're 15, 16 years old, very impressive uh, for the here. But you guys have is it a win and win and stay in game uh, on Saturday, New Mexico versus RGV? I think so. I think uh, I'm trying. So looking, I'm think, thinking, looking at our schedule. Yeah, a win on Saturday against RGV. That's definitely going to keep us in uh, contention. I think, you know, we we talked. You mentioned earlier, you know, is it a must win? You know, I predicted ahead of last night's match that we needed twelve points from our final, you know, six matches, which I, is probably a big ask. But and because I, I I thought we were going to get seven from this week alone. Uh, from these two and San Diego, I thought if we got seven points from those two, from those three matches, that we we'd be in good shape. And then, but yeah, you know, a six point swing against RGV that's gonna be massive. It really is. And I know, you know, the the schedules f- going forward for the rest of the season for the rest of the teams in in, in the Mountain Division, there are some interesting matchups along the way that could change. Mm-hmm. You know, really, I mean, you could also even say you know three through three through six, depending on how the results play out. Yeah, the bowl have an outside shot to still be able to reach number two. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think, though, just with on who San Antonio plays, with who Colorado Springs um, plays. Let me see here. Where's Colorado Springs switchbacks? So switchbacks play Monarchs, El Paso, RGV, Monarchs, San Antonio. So. To me, that second, third spot is going to come down to that last game. Um, yeah. Here in San Antonio, I think that's going to be the decider. You know, I know they play the Monarchs twice. Both of them are away, so that's the one one advantage. They do play El Paso away. So what's kind of funny is San Antonio plays four out of the next five at home. The switchbacks play four out of their last five at, you know, at uh, away. Two of them are against the Monarchs, which – you know, will admit aren't very good, but they do play El Paso um, for whatever odd reason. El Paso home games are only on Wednesdays for the rest of the year. Yeah, they that's don't strange. have any more Saturday 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 games, which is which is an odd thing. Um, so, and of course, midweek games. You know, you know, as much as you know, we like to say they don't draw the big crowds. It, it just it's especially school work and all that stuff. Um, it doesn't have it. And then, 
you know, so I think for for New Mexico, because um, the next time you guys do play RGV again, but that time's away at HEV mm-hmm. Park, which RGV's to me, RGV is a good is a good team. Um, I think they've got talent, you know, uh, some of the talent they brought in, you know, recently, you know, uh, I think they got a guy that's up for goal a week um, off of what was it, a scissor kick or something like that, uh, you know, to help, help get the win. So to me, that RGV match is whoever, whoever wins puts themselves in a lot better position. Um, I will say for New Mexico, your guys' schedule down the stretch is just a killer the next four. You know, uh, RGV twice at San Diego, home against San Antonio, where you guys typically handle handle us very well. That's, you know, when we were looking at our stretch, I said El Paso was a loss. I said New Mexico is a loss away. Just that's what, you know, if you walk away at the point, mm-hmm. you know, you're feeling good now. We walked away at the point. I still don't feel well <laughs> just on how the game went, but – you know, I woke up and I was like, hey, it's a point, you know, which if you just said, hey, going in, you're walking away with a point coming out of El Paso, you take that. Yeah. Same, th- same thing with, uh, you know, same thing with uh, their – to me, I think you're going to find out a lot about this team, though, uh, about how much fight that they have. And, and I think, you know, we, we kind of touched on this earlier. How much, you know, how much the coach has, I guess you can say. Um, you know, how much the locker room have, you know, has a belief in the coach. Um, Cause these next, you know, five games for, for New Mexico, it's, it's put up or shut up time. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. I, you know, I can't disagree with that. And, you know, we do have three of the final five at home, which I think is going to benefit us, but you know, we have to fi- we have to stay informed. That, that's the thing, you know, we have to, we can't back off. We have to maintain it. We have to stay aggressive. And I think one thing that we really got away from after the first two seasons was our press mm-hmm. and our press. We did so good that first season uh, with that high press and it, and it affected other teams and we don't do that as much. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, not having Kevon and, and things like that. But ultimately like we just, we have to convert our chances. We can't make mental mistakes, particularly in the midfield and in the defensive third, which unfortunately is where a lot of our mistakes have been happening. Um, if we do that, I think we have a very good, a very good chance at sealing that fourth spot, especially if we pick up two wins against RGV. If we can do that, I think, you know, you know, six points there, I could see another three points somewhere in there. Um, and I think, I think that does it. And I, one of the things that I will say that I think does fall in both the favor of United and RGV is Austin Bold's final six matches. Yes. I mean, this is something that, you know, we, we were looking at it the other night and they, they got four of six away. So of their remaining six matches, they have OKC at home and Charlotte at home to close out the season. And then in the middle of that, they have four matches away, Birmingham, Monarchs, El Paso, San Antonio. And that's just, their final six is just absolutely brutal. Yeah, their their last three at El Paso at San Antonio, which they did beat. To be fair, they did beat San Antonio. I uh, was want to say July third because the fireworks uh, got canceled. Well, it didn't get canceled, but uh, um, wasn't as uh, as a happy fireworks show because we did lose to the Bold one uh, nothing. Um, and then 
you know, that, that home match against Charlotte, which it'll be interesting because Charlotte's going to have everything kind of locked up. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think they're, you know, I think they're kind of stuck into that four seed, um, you know, in the Atlantic. But yeah, they got a huge one against the energy. Um, and I just don't think, I don't think that they have the depth. Now the playing style that they have is so defensive and, and they do have quality coaches um, and they got a hell of a goalkeeper that we talked about, but I keep saying the bold are, are gonna, you know, gonna, you know, gonna come back down to earth. But if you look at their form, you know, going all the way back to mid August, what three, four ties, four wins and two losses out of their last 10, that's, I don't know if we can match that. And I know New Mexico can't. No, no, we haven't. I hate, I hate saying that. I don't think you guys have, you know, I don't think you guys have four wins right in the last 10. Uh, no, no, we did. Uh, we, we won four actually, or five. Yeah. yeah. We won four or five here coming into the Loudon match or not Loudon, uh, Hartford. Yeah. So yeah, you guys, I think you're, you have one more loss because of Phoenix. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, to me, it's, it's going to be an interesting stretch run, uh, for that here, uh, for both teams, you know, for all the teams in the mountain, you know, cause I know we, everybody's said that El Paso's got this in, in the bag, but if you look at their final stretch, they still have one, two, three, four, six matches left. They're, they're basically pay, playing two games a week and, you know, they play at Tulsa, uh, this weekend now, Revis they do get lucky because Revis uh, actually just finished uh, uh, playing for El Salvador and they did ups well upset Panama I guess you could say uh, for that here which if you're Concacaf uh, qualifying that's a unexpected result home against the Switchbacks at LA Galaxy two home against Austin home against the Energy and away at RGV so not tough. But that's a lot of travel. That's a lot of minutes to be able to see if they can uh, be able to actually, you know, put the division away. And if if, the, if they could, if if their recent form, they're kind of like what we were at the start of the season. But they're what two, four, five, five draws, two wins. Um, you know, as far as for their last seven, so they're not losing, but they're not getting those wins like they were earlier in the year. Yeah, and I think I think you mentioned earlier that uh, even with a I think with a draw in their next match, they do, yeah. they will clinch a playoff spot. They'll so. make the playoffs, but whether they can keep that number one slot, if Tulsa or San Antonio or both could could go on a you know go on a run. Um, yeah, and every single a- one of those matches they have left is against teams either in a playoff spot or still in contention for Correct. a playoff spot. So. so. I don't see any of those teams resting against El Paso as long as they're you know, in contention. Yeah, no, it'll it'll be interesting. Um, like I said here, I know San Antonio. Um, our schedule, I think, actually kind of lightens up a little bit, and you know, I'm sure I'm probably going to catch a lot of flack for that. But we're home against Memphis, home against Tulsa, which I think we you know should be able to. Do. We go on the road to New Mexico, and then home against Austin, home against the Switchback. So being at home, like I said here, if San Antonio can take care of business, you know, like I said here. You know, you'd like to think that they could uh, put some wins on the board, especially against Memphis and Tulsa. I think they are quality clubs. I do think that you know the the New Mexico match away 
I think that's the one loss. I think if we can walk away with the tie, that's you know that that would be a you know success, and, and it's going to depend on what's you know what you guys are playing for. I think, um, but that Austin match and, and and to me it comes down to that switchbacks match, which I think will be a playoff match to see who hosts it in that in that first round for that second seed. Yeah, I know Jacob has said that our season is going to come down to the Monarchs match last week. I'm like, I, I really don't want it to, but it just might. Which, I, yeah. which is unfortunate. You know, we, we went through that in, in 2019 down to the last night. And it's like, okay, you know, we were relying on the other results. And yes, you relied you know, on San Antonio. Yep, we relied on San Antonio that night. And who was up know. 2 0 and um, up a man. And um, yeah, we tied. <laughs> yeah, we had, uh, we were in the press box that night and we had, uh, we obviously we had United in front of us. We had the San Antonio match on one side, we had another match on another screen. And so, you know, we were you know, going back and forth and trying to you know figure out the playoff implications and what was going to happen. And as much fun as it is from a, a, a from a fan perspective, you know, clinching it you know, at, at the last minute, you don't want to. And this is a conversation I had with Jerry the other night uh, when we were doing the Loose City Watch Along. And, and I was like, you know, I would much rather be in a position where we were comfortably in. Yes. You know, where we – had you know some points uh, some points difference ahead of between us and whoever was behind us I, I wish we had that but we're not and you know we we haven't been consistent enough all year long and you know unfortunately that's just been the mo of this team yeah to, to me if new mexico doesn't make it and i know i told you this here so far you've got six out of 21 out of conference points and, and of course your last one's away at, at the loyal so um now I don't think the lo- the loyal are playing better, but and, and you know they're fighting for that second seed in, in in the Pacific, but that that'll be a tough one there. But if if New Mexico does not make the playoffs, it comes down to that outer conference there where you know they're five points below behind you know the Monarchs, um, and, you know which that you know you add those five points to it and you guys are probably comfortably in. Yeah. No, absolutely, and yeah, it, it, you know, it's something that we'll take a look at, you know, throughout the off season, and you look at that, you know, okay, well, where do we? We already know where we failed, but you know, where did we? Where do we go wrong in our predictions? Where did we fail? You know, tactically on the field, uh, you know, it's just it's a lot to look at, a lot to a lot to talk about, and I know some folks here in the community want Troy out at, at the end of the season if we don't make the playoffs, and uh, you know, I don't see it happening. But you never know. Uh, you never know. Like I just, and that's that's a conversation that I want to have with Peter at some point. You know what is, you know he he said the ultimate goal is to win a championship, win multiple championships. But you know I want to you know I want to find what's the barometer for success year over year. And I will say like 2019, I think if 2018 there was the whispers of hey Darren Powell should he stay or should he go, they kept him. They came back saying, "Hey, things will be much different," and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. That's gonna that's gonna be the that's gonna be the the question because you guys had that great run in the Open Cup the first year, and you guys did qualify for the playoffs, right? Because that's when you guys uh, got in right uh, over yeah. San Antonio um, in twenty eight was twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen twenty nineteen last year. You th- I throw away last year just because you guys were on the road, you know, like I said here, 
you guys had a good season, you know, especially being all on the road. But for the, you know, for this year, and, and it's, it's no secret, it comes down to the offensive side of the ball. And who, who, who's the one that's in charge of, of bringing in the players? Is, is it Troy? Is it, is it Troy? You know, I think you guys hired somebody, right? To be able to, help yeah, out we that? recently hired uh, two folks. We hired a, a guy, his name is uh, Itamar Keenan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a, a former scout now uh, to be head of our, I guess, international scouting to help bring that in. And then we also brought in uh, Coach Heather Dyke from UNM to be uh, on the technical or on the technical side of things. So I think she's going to help scout players as well, as well as providing technical support to the players that we already have. So, And I will say this, if, if uh, November comes and you guys can get that stadium, that's going to give you guys a huge boost as well. So uh now the question is, is how long it takes to get the stadium. That's a whole separate discussion. But yeah. to me, if New Mexico, you know, assuming, you know, whether you guys make the playoffs or don't make the playoffs, if you guys can get that stadium passed, you know, like I said here, to me, that will be a win on this season, you know, especially, you know, I'm assuming from, you know, Peter's level saying, you know, hey, the results may not have been exactly what we want on, on the pitch, but off the pitch and, and the New Mexico community, um, you know, has grown, you know, we're going to be able to expand and, and, you know, you know, in the brief discussion that I had with Peter at, at Toyota field, <clears throat> you know, he may mention that, you know, one way or another, they will be getting a state, a, a stadium, um, you know, you know, for that here, you know, his preferred path is to go down, you know, this Avenue here, but, which I was excited to hear, you know, like I said here, uh, you know, they have nothing but love for, you know, for, you know, Peter and, and wish, we had more owners in the league that were as open and as fan friend accessible, uh, you know, as, as New Mexico's owner is compared to San Antonio's. So, but that's a different story. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> it's definitely interesting seeing how different ownership groups act and, you know, yeah, like, I said, like you said, it's going to come down to, you know, the success on the pitch, you know, you may not, and something we've tried to stress is we're, we know we're not going to win them all. We would love to win them all. I, you know, no one's going to go 32-0-0. Not going to happen. And you're absolutely right. A, a stadium, the stadium bond passing in November would be an absolute win for for the club and for the community. And you know where we go from there, I don't know. I mean, I know that they they've come out and said you know construction would likely start uh, in 2022. Mm-hmm. So if it does, if it does pass and which I think is a pretty quick turnaround to get that going. And then, yes. you know, I, I could see if that, if that happens, I could see us opening 2023 in a stadium, mm. maybe 2024. I just, I think it would just depend, but. Yeah, it depends. Cause well, Albuquerque's weather's pretty good in the wintertime, right? You guys don't yeah, here in the city, like Colorado and you know, where you get the hard freezes and stuff like that. So, yeah. We get freezes, but it really doesn't snow too much. Hard freeze, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not like that. So you know, it's gonna be a, there. Gonna be a lot of interesting things, and the stadium conversation is ongoing. And so yeah, we're just you know we're trying to put out the word as best we can, and hopefully that passes, and we'll see what happens. As far as Troy out, I don't know, man. I, I agree with you. Throw away twenty twenty. I think everyone needs to throw away twenty twenty. Yeah, it's we we take it because hey, we won our division. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then we lost in the playoffs. Uh, so there was that so yeah. well, we lost to you guys right yeah uh, yeah yeah i remember Dude, that we, was... we hands uh, <laughs> yeah. we hands on how about that 
<laughs> he plays well against San Antonio. That's all I'm going to say. Is he's a star between him and uh, Diego Luna? I don't know who's had more success against San Antonio. <laughs> uh, so looking at you know looking at this weekend, we did kind of talk about him a little bit. You guys have Memphis, and we've got RGV. What's your prediction for this weekend against Memphis? Uh, I'm going to go conservative. I'm going to say two one. Because San Antonio gives up a goal, it's I think it's kind of like you guys. You get we give up a goal, it's it's going to happen. You just hope it, it doesn't happen, you know, at the wrong time. Um, but yeah, I, I think two one. Um, it's been a while since the boys have been home, um, and you know, I, you know, I think looking at Memphis, looking at their tack, um, it's really one guy, um, former uh, San Antonio FC. Uh, and former RGV, uh, what's his name here? Da, 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 da. He's got an impressive uh record here. Do, 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 do. Uh, Kyle Murphy, okay. 17 goals on the year, one assist. Um, Kadeem Dakers, um, I don't know if he, I don't know if he got called up to the Jamaican team, and I don't remember seeing him, but he's got six assists. So if they can kind of shut shut them two down, and I think with San Antonio's defense, they're able to take um, forwards out. Um, they'll they'll give up you know they'll give up the leaky goal you know uh, for there here. But I just think for San Antonio, they're in good form. Um, I know the result wasn't what they wanted. They feel they dropped the two points, which is what you want to hear. Um, so I think it, I think it'll. Be interesting. Memphis also played on Wednesday, so it's not a matter of one team having more rest than the other. Uh, Memphis played at home, has to travel to San Antonio. It's a Sunday game at 7.30 of all odd times, but I think we'll do. And I think, I hate to say this, but I think New Mexico RGV, 1-1 um, draw. I think if, if you're a betting person, I think you'd probably pick the draw between the two teams. I don't have confidence in either one. If I was to pick a winner, it would be New Mexico just because they're at home. Yeah, I, that's t- it's a tough matchup. It really is. I know we beat them 2-0 last time, but you know one of those goals did come in like the 94th minute uh, from uh, Crispy Hand, of course. But you know, we played RGV well this year where our home form is definitely better. Than being mm-hmm. on the road, I'm glad this that this matches at home. Um, I could easily, honestly, I, I could see two one two nil for us, but I think it's going to be one nil, and it's going to be a clincher, and I'm, no one's going to enjoy it until that final whistle blows. But you know, I, I do think we get the three points. Um, I, you know, it's, it's homecoming night. We've got brand new kits out. Uh, you know, nice looking kits. Yes, say. they are. They're fantastic looking. I just wish they had one that was like the red and green mix, which I think would be fantastic. But yeah, so I, I think we get the three points on Saturday against RGV, uh, get back on track. And as far as you guys go, I can see two nil. Um, you guys have a solid defense. You got a solid midfield and you guys, you know, you know how to play on the counter if you need to. And I, I, I think you, the San Antonio results against us are kind of misleading because you guys are a tremendous, tremendously talented team. And I could see you, I definitely see you guys picking up, you know, three points, you know, two nil uh, over Memphis on Saturday. Yeah. Just, it's super crazy how 
Like we played RGV what third week, following week or skip a skip a week we played so 16th, 29th, and then June 19th. So we played th three times in a month. You actually play RGV three times in in a month. Yeah, that's absolutely crazy. So, yeah, that was the one like unbalanced thing on our schedule. It was just it was really weird that we didn't play RGV. The first really. game where they did win, uh, did beat you. Uh, that was an RGV, right? Yes, yeah, that was an RGV. So they beat you the first game of the year, um, and then you guys came back at home. You guys at home are just a different animal. Um, yeah, but yeah, just it's just that consistency to where you know can can if if you if you were to bet a hundred dollars. You know how much of that hundred dollars are you betting on New Mexico or New Mexico to win? That's that's the question. <laughs> one of our one of our local beat writers actually he found betting odds for the last United match against RGV, uh -huh. uh, and uh, you know you cover you know he doesn't really cover the club. He has a few times. He doesn't really know a whole lot about soccer, and people were kind of surprised that there were USL betting odds. And I said, you know, I chimed in. I said, you know, if it was me, because the under was uh, was two and a half goals or the over-under was two and a half. And then obviously, you know, United win, RGV win and draw. I said, you know, if I was betting this, I'd take the under and New Mexico United to win. And I, you know, I wonder how much I, I couldn't figure out how I would have won on, how much I would have won on either of those. But I was like, you know, it's one of those things, like it's, it's going to be tough. RGV is a good team. And I know that they've been really down, but they have the ability to go out and win any given night. Uh, let me see here. Yeah, they don't have um, they don't have the USL odds for um, for you guys, but they did last night. They did have you guys favored, you know, by one and a half goals. Which I hate to say it, I took you know, I've been known to place a couple of dollars here and there. I did place <laughs> a, a couple of dollars on. Uh, uh, on uh, Hartford to cover that that goal and a half, just you know, you guys would win, but I don't think it'd win by two, you know, by two goals over Hartford. Uh, I so probably I, would have taken that bet too. <laughs> I was like, if it's a half a goal, I would have jumped on it, but yeah, you know, saying hey, they're gonna win, but a goal and a half, yeah, I lost my parlay because uh, Sacramento lost a lost to Oakland. I was like, damn it. <sighs> well, so, all right. Do you got any closing thoughts on tonight? CONCACAF uh, qualifying. Did you catch the U.S. win? Uh, I saw parts of it. Uh, in the middle of all that, I was uh, taking my kids to and from uh, Awana <laughs> and dinner and all that kind of stuff. So didn't catch all of it, but great yeah, win by the U.S. It, but it was 2-0. Uh, Mexico tied Canada, so that's a good result. They really? For, yes, 1-1 uh, uh, for that here, and there was another – Pause in gameplay, uh, we'll just say, uh, for a certain chant uh, for it here. So, CONCACAF, let me see if I can get to the... It's so hard to get the CONCACAF standings and stuff. It's really annoying. I go to FOTMOB. They have all of them. FOTMOB, okay. Well, El Salvador picked up a win. How about that? Yeah, they beat Panama, which is who the U.S. plays on Sunday. Okay. So technically, U.S. is leading the group right now with eight points. Mexico's second at eight points. Canada's in third with six. Panama's uh, five. 
points, El Salvador five points, and Costa Rica, Honduras, and Jamaica is in last here. So remember the start from the U.S. where everybody was all, oh, my gosh, you know, mm-hmm. the last World Cup cycles repeating. I have to give it to uh, – they they're playing some good ball, and this is without Reina and Pulisic. So they're yeah. the youngest I- – youngest – Youngest team, two 18-year-olds? I think so, so. yeah. I was concerned about uh, this window here uh, of, the, of the qualifying, that if we didn't perform well, then going into the next round of qualifiers, starting off against Mexico, like that's that that's you, tough. Yeah. you know. And then obviously I think we got Mexico again uh, early next year too. I'm like, you don't want to play Mexico twice needing to get in. Like you want to be – you want to have your spot secured. Now I know we've played well against Mexico in, in, in recent matches, but you know, if Tata can get that team turned around and it looks like he, he kind of has a little bit that I don't want to be playing them with a spot on the line. It'll be interesting. Like I said here uh, uh, for that here, but to me, that's, that was my kind of final thought. Like I said here, I took AJ to his soccer practice and, you know, uh, used the data plan a little bit and watched uh, some of the game until they got up 2-0 and then, uh, so, but no, and then came home and saw the uh, Mexico, Canada, watched the end of that. And it's, you know, if, if you'd have talked about the start of the qualifying, you know, would, would you have thought USA would, would have been, t- you know, tied with, with Mexico after four matches? I don't think you'd find many people that would have agreed with you. So. No, I, and I think that's a, a lack of faith in Burhalter. So, more, I <laughs> think that's, that's what it is more that, than that, that, Well, yeah, but there's there's reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't disagree with that at all. But you know, uh, the lack of faith is understandable. And but it, you know, seeing the guys play, and I think this past you know six to eight months of men's national team play has been head and shoulders better than where they were the last two qualifying cycles. Oh, this this team has so much more depth and quality um, that it's not even comparable, in my opinion. Now, I don't I'm not saying that they're the best team because I think with the, this team here, what's crazy to think is you know with the twenty twenty six Olympic uh, or not Olympic with the 2026 World Cup here. That's when this team should be in its peak you know, for that here. So if you can continue to build on that and this team continues to, to gel with Pepe at 18, you add what, 2026, 20, five years, I'd have put him at 23. Yeah. This team, yeah, this team could be special. You know, now there's a lot of things that can happen. Don't get me wrong, but I think this team has the ability to number one, make it to the world cup. Um, number two, I think, this team, I think, can get depending on what you're drawn in, um, can get to the knockout stage. But I think it's setting up for that 2026 World Cup here in the states, where you could you could see the United States possibly being able to make a deep run. And usually, as a host, you get kind of a soft soft group. Typically, um, you know, it's you know, not saying it's like the the Knicks drafting Patrick Ewing, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it this way. FIFA wants the U.S. to go as well as far as they can here stateside. <laughs> we'll yep. just leave it at that. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I'll be honest. Like, I, I'm more invested in the in the men's national team this this qualifying cycle than, than I have in probably the past you know decade. 
you know. Well, and a fun group. They are. They're a lot of fun. You know, we've got a lot of talent spread all across the globe now. And, you know, I think there's some guys on there that should be playing abroad that, that aren't right now. But Any final thoughts from you? Um, final thoughts. I mean, get out, watch some soccer this weekend, enjoy the weather while it's still somewhat warm, and uh, we'll get ready for the end of the season. It's always warm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Harry, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, I appreciate you being here, talking some San Antonio and New Mexico United. And, and uh, you know, I've told you before, you're always welcome on the show. Anytime you want to you want to pop on, just let me know. And, Hopefully and we'll I filled you. in okay for Jacob or Earl, you know. Oh, yeah. Probably somewhere in the mixture that you know, mixture <laughs> there. You know, I'm not sure who your favorite or not favorite is, but uh, you know, that, that's a subject for you know for another podcast here. But uh, it was a pleasure, like I said, here. I love to do these here, and uh, hopefully, that's something I'll be able to do in the future again. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I'd love to have you on. And I think who the favorite is depends on who depends on who's in the chat that night. If it's Jerry, I think Jerry likes uh, likes Earl a little bit more, but you never know. But uh, anyway, thank you again so much for being here. And thank you to everyone who popped in the chat. Emma, thank you for stopping by, throwing in, throwing in the, the comments there. Appreciate you being here. Uh, as always, guys, you can follow us on social media at Somos Moss or at Somos Moss Pod. Harry is, of course, at Ram and Call uh, over on Twitter and on Reddit. And then, uh, yeah, as far as us, we'll be back again on Tuesday night, 9 o'clock Mountain Time. Uh, thank you guys so much for watching and Somos Moss. You've been listening to Somos Moss, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and weekly discussions from around the world of sports. Each episode is recorded live on Tuesday nights on our YouTube channel and goes live on podcast platforms around the world later in the week. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bedoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto, and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using Zencaster and Audacity.